Welcome to Four Dose Productions, and we are presenting Milkshake Monday, episode 221, Questions for Going, and I'm Anita Helm. I wanted to share with you that tonight is going, about, going to be about seasons of going. And the thing about going is when you're going, you're growing. And a lot of people do not like change. When you start talking about change, people get nervous and anxious because they're very comfortable with where they are. And when you start to have the Lord tell you to go, and we're going to hear a lot of discussion tonight about going, you will find that the Lord is not interested in your comfort zone. He's interested about seeking and saving that which is lost, which are people. And he understands that it's not his will that any should perish. But unless you and I start going, we are allowing people to not hear the message of truth from our testimony and witness. And so tonight we're going to start with a great opportunity to see a couple of passages out of the, out of the Old Testament, because a lot of people get in their mind that, oh, I can only learn from the New Testament. And that's not true because from Genesis to Revelation, you'll see common themes accentuated between both of the books, complementing one another. So we're going to start talking about the questions of going because we often hear the scriptures out of Isaiah six, which we'll go to for who will go for me. We always hear that scripture. And it's like, people will say, Oh, here I am. Send me. It sounds really nice and churchy and we get used to those things. But a lot of people like, no, I'm okay with him going. I'm okay with her going, but I'll just stay right here. Y'all come back and report back. And that's not exactly what God wants to do when he gives those various commands about going. So go to Exodus chapter three, verses eight through 15. And we're going to see an example. And here's what I want you to pay attention to. The Lord himself is going to be in a burning bush. This is what's happening in Exodus, Exodus, Exodus three. Moses has left because he has murdered someone and he doesn't want to face the consequences up there. So he's left. And for 40 years, he's been at a different location. But here the Lord is going to be in this burning bush and have a conversation with Moses. And I want you to see that the Lord says he's going to come down to deliver the people that he's heard have been suffering right under the the mighty hands of the evil, harsh taskmasters in Egypt. But he's going to ask Moses And he's going to say, I'm going to send you. And he's going to eventually have to say, you're going to go because Moses is going to do the questions that I'm going to show you in different forms and fashions tonight about the what, when, and where, and how, and those kind of things of our questions that we learned back in elementary, that you're going to see a lot of those questions in different fashions tonight from the old Testament to the new Testament. And the reason why I want to emphasize that is because a lot of people want to make the excuse that I just don't have the right personality to go. God knows my heart. He knows if I could go, I would go. He knows that I really would want to, but it's always a, but, and we're going to see the chief example of the greatest, but giver excuses is that Moses is going to be that one, because I want to take all those excuses out of your lips, out of your brain. When it comes to the word of God, when he says he wants to send you somewhere that he wants to minister into free people from bondage. And guess what? Sin is bondage. A life without Christ is bondage. And he wants us, you and I, individually, collectively to go. But there's some questions of going. And here's some that we're going to see from the very beginning. Now let's start at Exodus 3 verses 8. So I have come down. This is the Lord. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a to a good 
and large land to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now. Therefore, I will send you. Now, when we get to Isaiah 6, he's going to ask the question, who will I send? Who will go for me? But here he's directing Moses. Come now. I'm sending you. Is there any question of the who he's talking to? It says, come now. I will send you to the Pharaoh. Where is he going? To the Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. So you're going to bring them from where to where take them out of Egypt to the land that's flowing with milk and honey. But Moses said to God, who am I? That's the first who, and then you're going to have in a minute to say, I am that I am. So here's Moses saying the first who, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he said, I will certainly be with you. There's going to be a common theme with God. When he sends you, when he tells you to go, he's always going to tell you from the old Testament to the new Testament, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you till the end of the age. And here he says, I will certainly be with you, Moses. He's telling him directly. I'm sending you. I'm telling you where to go. I'm telling you why I want you to go, but I'm certainly going to be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you when you have brought the people. When? Now, who, what, when, and where, how, all these different questions. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when, when, when I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. And they say to me, what, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Verse 16, go. Some of us want God to yell it out of a burning bush. Go. We want the pastor to say it maybe five times. You need to go and witness. You need to go share your testimony. You need to go. You need to go. And you're like, oh, pastor, I really don't think God has asked me. Maybe I need to pray about that. What are you praying about? God wants us to seek and to save that which is lost because we are Christ's representatives. And the son of man came for that very purpose. That's what Luke 19 is talking about. But here it is. He says, go and gather the elders, but he tells us to go. But I want you to see on, let's jump to Exodus chapter 12. After the times of the plagues and Pharaoh says, who was the Lord that I should, you know, listen to him or serve him. I want you to see how he has to use go in a different way because God said, I've heard and I've come down and I'm going to deliver, but going to Exodus 
chapter 12, verses 29 through 36. I want y'all to hear go in a different way. And I don't want you to see how even when God has his people released out of bondage, that even the people that are evil, the people that have been the, the oppressors, the people who have done ugly and evil, harsh taskmasters, that God will allow favor, even as you are being sent out and going where God wants you to go. Look at verse 29. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who, who sat on the throne in the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where, where I'm using these verbs that are questioning that we use since elementary school, where there was not one dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise, go G O rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel and go, go serve the Lord as you have said. Also take your flocks. So don't just go take, take some things with you. Take all the stuff you got to have. But listen, it says, and take your flocks and your herds and you, as you have said, and be gone. Don't just go be gone and bless me also. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in, in haste. They want them to go fast for they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls and is bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord, look at what the Lord did. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. When you go as thus saith the Lord, you're not just going empty handed. Now let's go to Isaiah chapter six, verse eight through 13. Now, a lot of people say, I can't go because I don't know enough about the Bible. I can't go because I'm not ordained. I'm not licensed. I'm not evangelist. I'm not this. I'm not that. Moses wanted to use those excuses too. And I didn't read all the excuses in my tongue. I can't speak all that stuff. But God already said, I want you to go. But here we have Isaiah who says, I'm a man of unclean lips. But even knowing that all of us are sinners, none is righteous. No, not one. Only the Lord is holy and righteous, right? We understand that. But look at what Isaiah said that he heard a voice. Verse, I'm going to start at verse eight. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Remember he said, Come now, I'm going to send you, Moses. But he asked this question in a different way. Whom shall I send and who will go for me? The Lord knows there's people under the sound of my voice who he's telling you need to go. You need to go and speak. You need to go and share. You need to go and witness. But he's saying he wants you to go in your spirit and in your inner man, but you, you're having this rationalization. You're having these excuses. You're having this thing that says, I'm not good enough. 
I don't know enough. All of these excuses. But here we have Isaiah who could have said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And somebody put the coal, the angel came, put the coal. God can take care of all those excuses. He just needs a willing heart, a willing heart. And here it says, and I said, here am I send me. Now I'm going to put to you to say, I'm going to believe that because you're listening, you have a heart that you want to be used of God. And maybe it's that you don't feel confident or comfortable or you feel unsettled, unsure. That's why I'm going to do some of these questions and I'm going to give you some instructions about going. And I was going to use this big word called trajectory, which means the direction of going. The direction of going is go as the Lord leads you. If he wants you to go left, you go left. If he wants you to go right, it goes right. If he wants you to stop, stop. It's like the cloud by day and the fire by night. Trust God's spirit to lead you. And it says, he said, go and tell this people. And then he runs down, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Now this whole list goes on of what happens after God says, who shall I send? And this person who we, we don't have to make him super spiritual because he tries to tell you, I'm not super spiritual. I have issues with my mouth. I have issues with four letter words. I have issues. I'm not perfect, but I'm willing to say, Lord, send me. And some of us have to get in the position to say, Lord, send me. Not get into why you think you deserve to be sent because you have a degree, you have a title, you have a position. It's not about any of that. It's about your heart. You have a heart that you want to serve that when you hear the voice of the Lord asking, drawing, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And Christ wants to draw. But guess what? If we don't want to go, if we don't want to even have a heart yielded to God, and all we can talk about is our excuses of why somebody else is better than us, we're not putting ourselves in a posture to go. But let's see about why we should go. And who has the authority to tell us to go? Because we've seen the Lord say to Moses, and Moses tried to push back. And we asked here in Isaiah, where there's a question where the Lord's voice says, whom shall I send? Who will go? And you had Isaiah explain that he's willing to go. But let's talk about the authority because we say we are Christians. We say that we are part of the way that we believe in Jesus, that we trust that he's the son of God, the living God, that we're hoping that when we come to the end of this natural life, that we'll hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Right? That's what we're all hoping. But it's something about the hope and God doesn't say faith without works is dead without a reason. We have to have faith in Christ by our faith. We know we're saved in Jesus Christ, but that doesn't mean that we don't get an excuse slip, a hall pass to say, Hey, she can stay in homeroom all day. Hey, he can stay and do nothing. And, and I think we all have to get to the place to ask God, what is it that you desire for me to do for your son? for the message of Christ. Do you want me to, to evangelize on my hallway in my apartment complex? Do you want me to sit in the lobby? Do you want me to be in my neighborhood on my porch and talk to some kids or some adults? Do you want me to make myself ready if I want to go to the local library and talk? Do you want me to make myself ready just in case maybe there's somebody that needs to have a crossing guard and maybe I could talk to them, you know, have a good day. It always doesn't have to be an evangelistic message. It could just be you there with joy. 
joy. That's why some people say to be a doorkeeper keeper in the house of the Lord. It's the joy of the Lord that people will see when they see you at the door of the house of God. That could be a witness to somebody who's afraid to walk in the door. But here you are, your little shy, introverted self. You're there with a joy of welcoming. But let's go to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. What I want you to understand from this, because I know we've all heard these scriptures all the time, but I want to have an appreciation a little differently. It says here in verse 18, then Jesus came to them, the disciples, we are his disciples and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So why would Jesus think that he could talk to his disciples, you and I, and them back there and tell them what he wants to do? And he's getting ready to tell you in verse 19 what he wants to do, because he just said, I've risen. I have defeated the claim that, that, that death has on me. And I have come to a resurrected life and I have all authority on both heaven and earth. And I have authority on those of you that say that you love and believe Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, that you believe that he's there at the right hand of God, the father almighty. I have authority to tell you some things. And what he tells us is not that he's saying, oh, well, maybe, you know, Sister Pam, you don't have to do this. Or maybe Sister Sylvia, Mary, and Horace, y'all don't have to do this. Or Yvonne, you're special. You don't have to do this. You know, you're, you're certain ages, some of you, you don't have to do this. Oh, because you are black, white, brown, and yellow, you don't have to do this. God is saying he has authority over everybody that has breath, that says they're going to praise the Lord. Well, don't just praise him, serve him because he has authority. And what he wants us to do is guess what? Verse 19 makes it clear. Verse 19 says, therefore go. He didn't say accept. He said, therefore go. That geo that we've been seeing, Moses had to go. We had Isaiah have a go, and now you and I have a go. We say these big words, the Great Commission, but he says, go, G-O. If you can't spell anything else by fifth grade, you know G-O. Therefore, go. And then he has another verb, make disciples. Don't just go flap your lips and walk away. Make disciples. Make disciples means an investment of time. If God is putting some people in your sphere of influence, he's not just saying go. He wants you to take some time to make sure these people understand the word of God. And guess what? That means you got to put your priorities down and put God's priorities above your own priorities. Now look at what this says here. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Where you got to go? Oh, I only go down the street. You know, it gets dark at night. I can't go nowhere. I'm old. All nations, there are nations in lots of apartment complexes. There's nations all in the neighborhoods now. There's nations all in the grocery store. There's nations all in the nail shop. There's nations all over your neighborhood, all over the world. They're all coming in different areas. In the United States, in Africa, Europe, Asia, all the places are just coming all over the place. In a nice airplane, you can have all the nations in one place. In a movie theater, you can have all the nations in one place. Don't make excuses why you can't witness Christ to all the nations, that you can't make disciples of all the nations. Let the Lord lead you. It says, okay, what else are you supposed to do? So you're supposed to go. You're supposed to make disciples of all nations. And it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father. So who are you baptizing them? Baptizing is an action. So who are you baptizing them in the name? Are you baptizing them in the name of the Pope, of the Bishop, of the pastor who's got 25 years, or you got the trustee? Uh, no, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
and teaching them. So now you're going, you're making disciples of all nations. You're baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you're teaching them. So when you start having these questions about going, I don't know what to do. I don't know enough. Well, when are you going to, when are you going to know enough? For those of you who have been in the house of worship for 30, 40, 50 years, how much time are you supposed to hear the same Bible stories over and over and over and over and over again before you feel like you can tell your witness about Christ? Is it only supposed to be people who are on Facebook, Instagram, in the pulpit? No, this thing says, therefore go and make disciples. It doesn't say people that have letters behind their names or been to seminary. It says, this is to all the disciples. His authority is over all disciples that say that they love Christ, teaching them to obey. Who are you obeying? Are you obeying Christ's commands or are you obeying your own will, your own priorities, your own excuse-itis? Who are you obeying at this point where you can't go, you can't do, you can't speak, you can't give, you can't support, you can't do anything but what you want to do that's comfortable and doesn't require you changing. But in order to grow, you must go. Because in order for you to go, you have to study to show yourself. You have to study to be able to teach. You have to study in order to make disciples. Disciples are learners. So you need to learn. You didn't get a graduation slip because you turned 70, 60, 50, 40. You have to grow as you go. Here, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Christ is going to be with you. The Holy Spirit's going to be with you. The greatest teacher is going to be at your side in your heart, giving you the remembrance of what you've been studying. Well, let me show you some how to's because I know you're getting worried. I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to take a lot of those excuse slips off of you. Just like God took them out of Moses's lips. Let's talk about your frame of mind when you're going. Philippians chapter two, verses two through eight. I'm reading out of the NIV version. This is your frame of mind I want you to have because when you don't go, you are putting yourself and you're thinking about all the things you can't do, what you don't want to do, why you don't want to go, why you think you're too afraid to go, why you just don't know enough. Take all that off the table because when he says, I'm going to be with you till the end of the age, the spirit of God knows Christ best. And he will lead you in all truth and righteousness about Christ. He will lead you to the scriptures. He will give you that understanding when you go and take some time to learn and to study. You know, you're not going to learn going to Netflix and chill and Amazon prime and BET plus and all these other stuff. You can, you can keep filling yourself with all that, but God's going to bring to your members the scriptures, not the menu guide. So here we are in Philippians two verses two through eight. This is the mind I want you to have the frame of mind. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded. You're going to be like-minded of who? Jesus Christ. Having the same love verses two through eight in Philippians two, having the same love. That's the frame of mind. When you love as Christ love, you realize you don't want anybody to perish. It's not your will that any should perish. But see, when we let our own self direct ourselves, we are willing to have the homeless people die because we don't, you know, we don't have that same love for them. We're willing to have the other colored person that we don't like. That's not our color die because that's how we think. But God's love extends to the homeless, to the wealthy, to the black, to the brown, to the yellow, to the purple, to whatever color because of his love, 
having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. That's the key thing. Selfish ambition can cause us to put our own priorities ahead of God. And God doesn't want vain conceit. It says, do not do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. When we can be humble enough to say, God, send me. Faith, put the fan on, please. Um, God, send me. But in humility, valuing others over ourselves, above ourselves, not looking to your own interest. This is the thing. When you start to not want to go, it's because of you. It's not because of what God has told you. It's because of your own interest. That's why people don't want to go. But God is saying in Philippians, this is the frame of mind I want you to have. Because if you start to have the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, the love of Christ in you, you want to go all the time. God has to tell you, oh, I need you to, I need you to rest a little bit. Prepare yourself. I remember Rev used to say before Milkshake Monday, he used to say, baby, get yourself some rest. And I always try to make myself at least lay down 15 or 20, 30 minutes in my period that I could do that because he always used to say, get yourself some rest because you can go, but be weary, not in well-doing. But a lot of us aren't getting weary because we're not going, we're not doing anything. But look what it says in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. What's happening when we see with other people going, going, they want to be going on the deist. They want to be going and being seen. They want to be going and be recognized. They got to have the name of the program. They got to have everybody know, Hey, it's me. Hey, I'm the big shot. But see, that's where you find selfish ambition. That's why he said, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Oh, I've got to wait my turn because I'm close. I'm close to being the top person in charge. I'm close to having my name recognized. I'm close. But in reality, God is not interested in your selfish ambition. He's, a, he's interested in seeking and saving the lost. He's interested in the love that his people should be sharing one to the other so that people could be drawn by having him lifted up, not them. But here they say here, do not consider that that the Lord himself did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. And it was just a few teachings ago that I talked about Christ cleaning and drying the feet of his disciples. When we can't serve in the house of God, one another and do what we consider lowly task, we have to be careful that the reason we're not going at the opportune time is because you're not going to get seen enough. You're not going to get to do what you want to do. You're not going to get to have the title you want. And God says, I need you to have the right frame of mind. And it says being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he was deity. That was a lowly state to take our flesh and blood to allow himself to take the position to get tired and have to go to the bathroom and have to eat and all this stuff. He's spirit, but he took the form of human likeness because he loved us and he was willing to go and come down so that he can seek and save that which lost. But it says he humbled himself 
and becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Now, if Christ, who we say that we love, can do that, and that's what we see as his example, what's our excuse that we can't do that? We're not being asked to get on the cross. We're not asked for somebody to put nails through our hands and spit in our face and put a crown of thorns on our head. We're not being asked to be tortured. At least some of us aren't in this country. We're just being asked, can you say about the love of Christ? They're not in a, in a state where you're going to have yourself even murdered in your family if they find a Bible. That's not where we are in the United States of America, but we have Bibles collecting dust on coffee tables and bookshelves because we don't want to read them. And it's safe to read them with lights on. We got people in other countries who are whispering, who are just taking their very lives in their hands just for the fact that they want to go and proclaim Jesus Christ and read the very word of God to somebody and whisper, Jesus, for fear of they may be murdered. But we can't even say it outwardly unless we're cussing and doing something with profane language. But let's go to another place when it comes to the actual logistics of how Christ talked about going. And he did this with his disciples. So we have the frame of mind out of Philippians, but let's go to Luke nine verses one through six. When Jesus had called the 12 disciples and we know Judas was among them and Judas wasn't part of him. He was the son of perdition, but he was one of the people called. So everybody going don't always have the same motives, but Christ said when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. For some reason now, when we read in the scriptures that we should be doing more and we have been given the power and authority to do more, we don't believe it. We're like, oh, that happened in the Bible. That's not us. Somehow the spirit of God has um, gone into retirement and what he was able to do in the Old Testament and the New Testament, as we see through the Holy Scriptures, he's not having that same level of power. But yet Christ just said in Matthew 28 that Christ rose with all power and authority on heaven and earth. And he said, I'm sending you a comforter. I have to leave because I'm, but I'm sending you a comforter. I'm sending you the Holy spirit. I'm sending you what you need and the power source as I'm in heaven, I'm sending you the power source. And guess what? This power source, he said he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Everybody doesn't have the gifts of healings, but we can't say nobody has them. Everybody may not have the gift of teaching, but we can't say nobody has it. We can't say that there's not these abilities. When Christ says in the scriptures, because the word became flesh, Christ says in the Holy scriptures that are an inspired word of God through the Holy spirit, that all these spiritual gifts are here in operation. But what is it about the people that supposedly have the gifts, say they love God and they say, I can do these things, but I don't want to go. I don't want to go and make myself uncomfortable by speaking the word of God and using my gift, exercising the gift of the spirit in front of a crowd that I don't know, or even express my gift in a one-on-one -on -one situation. You're afraid to do one-on-one. -on -one. You're afraid to have more than five. You're afraid to have more than 50. So when exactly are you willing to go? You're afraid to even do it in the house of worship because if you have to, heaven forbid, go up and pray, I don't want to be called to pray because I don't know how to pray. Okay. You want to teach? I don't want to teach. Let somebody else do that. 
Well, do you want to sing? I don't want to praise because I don't have a voice. What exactly? Or if you want to vacuum or put toilet paper in the bathroom, ah, oh, that's beneath me. Okay, what exactly do you want to do that you are willing to go and to do for the, the work of the kingdom? What exactly is that? I'll just sit back and pray for y'all. That's not bad. I'm not saying nothing against prayer, but that doesn't mean that God won't have you do and go. So here in the scriptures, it says, verse three, he told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. Interesting enough, some people have houses for a lot of reasons. Most of them is for them to have their own self and their kids or their family members to stay. But most houses have maybe extra bedroom. But how is it that when we know an evangelist is coming into town, preachers coming into town, revivalists is coming into town, maybe some missionaries are coming into town, maybe some kids that want to do some local, you know, camp outings and evangelistic tools. How is it that we don't say, hey, pastor, I got an extra room. If they need to have a place to stay, if they need to have a place to congregate, if they need to have a little place to get some refreshments or they just want to hang out, how come we don't volunteer our houses anymore? No, they can't come. I don't want them kids. I don't want that evangelist. I don't, they're going to see my business. I can't have that. What is it that these houses have? Because here Christ is sending them out. And guess what? When you don't need a staff or a bag or bread or money or extra shirt, it's because people are going to provide for you. The people that love God will provide. If you come to my house and you need a bite to eat, you got my whole refrigerator and pantry in my freezer. No question. If I got a shirt, that'll fit you, you're going to wear it. And if I don't have a shirt, we go on to the next place to go get your shirt. But see, Christ could depend on the saints of God that they were willing to help the servants of God when they went, when they got sent and when they went to go. But here we have people that the pastors got to beg just to be able to get their meat, their ends, their ends and provisions to be made. If it's not in the budget, we can't do it. Okay. You got that extra pair of five tennis shoes. 17 coats, all this stuff that you're going to, but you can't give us unto the Lord when it's time for the evangelists and the missionaries and the revivalists and all these things that people want to do. People got to beg. I don't believe that we should be allowing people to be begging when you got, we have tithes and offerings to help people. But guess what? When you don't want to give because of your own selfish ambition and your own, you don't want to be humble. You don't want to follow after the Lord. You don't want to go, but you don't want to give into the ministry so others can go. What's going on? So here it is. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. Didn't give up. Oh, you got to be in here two days and out. Remember how Paul stayed with Aquila and Priscilla for 18 months? Here it says, if people do not welcome you, we got a lot of people that got welcome mats, but do not welcome people to come into their home for the, the work of the ministry. But it says, if people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. We got a lot of shaking of the dust off the feet. If the truth be told while people say you can't come to my house. Oh, we need to have a house where we can have some um, choir rehearsal. You can't come to my house. Don't put my house on that list. I don't want you to come to my house. We need somebody. Can we have the kids come and practice? Can we have the kids come practice for the um, pageant? No, 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 mm -mm. no, uh -uh. you ain't come to my house. First, the last verse is verse six. So they sent out and went, so they set out and went forth village to village proclaiming 
the good news and healing people everywhere. Now we're going to talk about perseverance and I'm getting close to the close because we have instructions to going, but there's a lot of questions that people have. So we saw some logistics of what Christ said to his disciples. He has authority and he told his disciples about the authority. So James one talks about count it all joy, but I want you to understand that even when you go out and go, there's going to be trials and there's going to be situations that happen to you. But guess what is to make you to mature and to grow up and to be complete. Everything about ministry is not easy, is not fun, but it's helping you to be mature so that the next time you come into a situation, you'll be able to handle it even better because the spirit of God is saying, Hey, I, I, I got you. I got you. I'm with you till the end of the age. I'm indwelled in you. I'm going to give you the word of God. I'm going to bring back to your remembrance. I'm going to clear the way. I'm going to allow favor. Even when you have an evil Pharaoh, I'm going to put the favor on the people that were your harsh taskmasters. And I'm going to cause favor to the point they're going to give you silver and gold and bronze. And they're going to send you out with more than enough. When people think they're going to be evil against you and do wrong against you, look at God, wait on God. So James 1 Let's start at verse two. This is your perseverance, but it's your also, I talked about frame of mind and logistics, but God keeps talking about things about our attitude or our motives and what's in our mind, what's in our disposition. Because when you're going, people will gravitate to somebody they believe is genuine, loves and cares for them. So what is happening that people aren't gravitating and coming to the house of God? Are you saying it's the message? Because the message God said, if I'll be, if I be lifted up, I'll draw. So he's telling the truth. But what is it about when people come into the house of prayer, the house of worship? What are they finding? Are they finding pretense? Are they finding genuine love? Are we, are they finding the Philippians too? Are they finding the opposite of Philippians too? Lack of humility, selfish ambition, People who want their own agenda, people who want what for themselves, for themselves to be puffed up. I'm just asking a question. I'm just asking a question. So look at what this says in verse two of uh, James one. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. So that means you're going to face trials. When you go, you're going to face trials. Trials of many kinds. My trial may not be your trial, but we still got to go. Because you know that the testing of your faith and the going is going to be some testing of your faith, but it's to allow you to grow. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance in your going, in your growing, let it finish its work so, so that you may be mature and complete. We have a lot of babies and that's, that's unfortunate. We have 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 year old babies in the house of prayer, in the house of worship, in the congregations. And that's because people don't want to go. People don't want to grow. People don't want to study. People don't want to be disciples. They want to be members. And we are in a place where Satan is ratcheting up. He knows the last days are here and among us. It's been since Christ came, it's been the last days. Look at Hebrews one. But the reality is Satan understands time is ticking up. We're at December. We just were at January a blink ago. Things are getting darker. Things are getting changing. Everything. It's not just the climate that's changing. It's the spiritual wickedness is changing. People are out front and open about their wickedness. They're applauding it. They're, they're bragging on it. 
So Satan is getting busier and the saints of God have to mobilize and go and grow and not just sit on their posteriors and just look at things and watch. God said, watch and pray, but he wasn't say do nothing as you watch and pray. But here we go. Let's keep on. Cause I'm running out of time because you know, the testing of your faith produces per, per, perseverance, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who, who, who gives, who gives generously God to all without finding fault and who will be given to you and it will be given to you. But when, here's another word, when, when, when you ask, ask who God, how often, when you ask him, when you ask, you must believe what you got to do. You have to believe and not doubt. What, what are you not supposed to do? Not doubt and believe because the one who doubts who's doubting because the one who doubts is like the wave of a sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive any thing from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. What? What, what, did, what did he say? Double-minded and unstable in all they do. So when you start falling after people that don't want to go and grow and don't want to do and don't have no wisdom, why are you trusting to follow them? When God says in this scripture, that person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Not some of what they do, all of what they do. What did it say? All of what they do, they are double-minded and unstable. So why are you resting on a foundation of an unstable person? Why are you letting them in your life to give you direction when they don't even know God and they have no wisdom for God? They're, teach, they're saying, baby, I don't think you should go. I don't think you should go to that church today. I don't think you should give. I don't think you should do that. I don't think you need to do all that. Why are you listening to somebody that don't have no wisdom from God? And they're unstable in all their ways. What you doing with them? You just need to ask God, what are you doing with a fool? Anyway, I'll leave that alone. But anyway, my point to you as we get ready to come to a close, read all of that first James. I want y'all to look at the last scripture tonight, which is Luke 19 verse 10. The purpose of your going. I've said it multiple times. The purpose of your going is Luke 19 10. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus wants you to go. He's sending us out to go. And as we go, we grow. And as we go, we will be able to do what he came to do, seeking to save that which is lost. It requires us to, to put aside our selfish ambition, our priorities and ask God, God, what is it that you want me to do? How can I be of service to you this day? We don't know about tomorrow. We don't know if we have tomorrow, but this day, as you wake up in the morning, praise him, let everything that has breath, praise him and say, God, what can I do for you today? How can I be a service to you? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to study? Who? And then say, God, put them in my path. That's what I think you're afraid to say, Lord, put them in my path for me to be able to share the message of Christ. You put it out there. You, you, you're afraid that nobody's gonna know what's going on. Say, God, I want to, I wanna go. 
God, I want to serve you. God, I want to be able to witness for you. Tell me what you want me to do. Tell me where you want me to go, where you want to send me. Trust God is hearing. If he can hear Moses, if he can hear Isaiah, if he can hear all these people in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, I'm sure he can hear your prayer. And if you sincerely want to be used of the Lord in this season of going, this season of growing, it's not that God hasn't given us instructions. It's not that God hasn't told us that he has authority to tell his saints of God that we need to go. It's that we choose not to go. And the time for excuses and excuse-itis is over and done. And I know we're getting ready to celebrate Christ's birth, but he's, he didn't stay a baby, y'all. Y'all know that. He didn't stay a baby. He got up to be grown. And he got up on that cross and he died, but he was resurrected. And he came out of Matthew 28 saying, I've risen with all power and authority now, heaven and earth. And this is what I want you to do. I want you therefore to go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them. He's told us what to do. Now it's up to us to humble ourselves and to go and to grow. I love you and Lord willing, I will see you next week. God bless you all.